welcome to the world of Rex. This is a Marvel, a Rex. I am a multidisciplinary gorilla ontologist, provocateur, actor, person of many things. I am a becoming, I am a verb. All right, let's hop into the astrology for the week of October 10th to the 16th. We are heading into eclipse season for all of those who are new to astrology slash the podcast. Eclipse season, eclipse a season is basically a month period of time where there's going to be massive karmic change points, pivots, psychic chiropractic happening in each and every one of our lives. Some people will feel this more gracefully, fluidly. Other folks are going to feel big 90 degree pivots. It's going to be like, wow, oop, crunch, and I'm moving in this direction. My overall advice for this season that really is going to be, you know, ramping up this week, which is why I'm speaking about it. It's between October 15th safely to November 15th, even November 30th to be very safe with the astrologies to give us some, you know, ample room to <laughs> process all the change, cry through all the change. My advice is for this eclipse season to release what is no longer serving us and that is behaviorally that is emotionally a lot of toxicity a lot i'm realizing to do with communication because that mercury retrograde just really happened and is still going to be processing by the time we head into eclipse season mercury ruling communication so there's a lot around releasing toxicity in interpersonal dynamics and also self-talk how you understand yourself relationship to mortality, relationship to sexuality, taboo, addiction, all of these things are really up for grabs. It's a wide berth of things for sure, but a lot of it's just around releasing things that are stuck, lodged in the system, in our personal lives, in our brain, you know, rewriting old narratives around worth, self-worth, and how we give and receive with other people. And the big part of that, big key component of that is communication. It's a time to go slow. Uh, last episode, you could take a listen. It's called Materialize. You can listen to last week's episode where I talk more in depth about the eclipses. So I'm not going to go ad nauseum here. Just know that we're ramping up into this moment where we're being asked to let go and let God surrender, take things very slow. This is the one month, and I'm saying October 15th to October 30th. This is one month where it's going to be essential, absolutely essential to focus to really, really focus, to really be aware of who you're talking with, how you're talking, what your internal monologues are, how you process change, how do you deal with change, are your behaviors really in alignment with your higher genius, your higher good, do you feel like you need to upgrade certain parts of your life, even small things can have huge impacts right now, a lot of this energy is for long term. The spell around this month, long period of time, month and 15 days, month and a half, is long-term ramifications. So if you're putting in over the next month and a half, really like disciplined, focused, loving, expansive, kind, compassionate vibes, behaviors, thoughts, speech, all of these things, if they're infused with love, if they're infused with expansion, you're setting into motion a beautiful long-term rollout of events. It's really powerful. It's really, really powerful. Literally, people around the world worshipped eclipses. I mean, eclipses are no joke. We just have lost a lot of touch with that in late capitalism. So we're reclaiming it now. That's what this is. And it's so that the collective can heal. 
literally. So if you're doing your work with yourself, you're helping the collective heal because you can show up more in love. All right. So we're going to keep it pretty brief because I have a wonderful conversation with Daniel C. Everyone's very excited. I'm very excited. It's a fantastic, you know, Daniel's so generous with his time, his words, his love. I am so honored to speak with him. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be the next little chunk of wonderful World of Rex time. But before we do, I'm going to keep it nice and quick and go through the vibes for the week of October 10th to October 16th. Okay. <laughs> it's like, this is relationship station, you know? Relation station. There's a lot of relationship energy in the chart this week. The week opens with the waning Aries full moon, which did generally highlight you know, some excitement, some play, some competitiveness, some viril virility, libidinal energy can be released during an Aries full moon. And also, because Chiron's involved, Jupiter's there, we've got all these planets in Libra, this is a huge emphasis. These are the two signs that deal with relationships. There's a huge emphasis on what I want versus what the other person wants. So for anyone who did have a big relationship uh, culmination, climax during this full moon, no surprise. And now we're coming off of it on the 10th of October. There's a come down like, wow, okay, um, I have to process all the relationship stuff that came up. I have to process maybe a wound in a specific relationship because Chiron is co-present and he's the asteroid of wounding. So there's a lot of sticky, crunchy, or just, you know, relational dynamics that need to be cleaned up and this is really happening precisely because the last retrograde mercury which is communication was in a relationship sign libra and moved into virgo a very critical detail-oriented sign now he's moving out of virgo into libra and when mercury moves into libra this week he's saying okay let's actually talk about the relate let's talk like, this is a great week. I said this last week. This is a great week to talk to the people that you've had miscommunications with. The communication will be much more clarifying this week. Wow. You're going to have conversations where you're like, wow, you weren't talking this way for literally two months. And now all of a sudden you're talking to me in a way that's like diplomatic, graceful, handing over an olive branch. Like, wow, it took that long. But yes, it did. <laughs> if it was following the astrology, it certainly took that long. So... Mercury is entering more clear skies, and therefore, relationship communication is heavily weighted this week. Just having frank, honest conversations if you've done the detail-oriented Virgo work and figured out where exactly you stand. If you're not clear about where you stand, it's not going to work no matter what. So the work to be doing <laughs> that you should have been doing last week, but hopefully if you're not, if you, don't, if you don't have all the ducks in a row this week, then gather your ducks and then have the conversation, the clear conversation that you want to have with somebody else. This is in the spirit of healing conversations. So even though that Aries full moon is a very self-centered energy, so people over the weekend could have been feeling the prior weekend, by the way, October 7th, 8th, and 9th, could have been feeling like, wow, I'm going to do my thing, and like I'm really right about my thing, and this person's not right about my thing. That could have certainly come up, and now this week is like, and let's clean that all up now. Let's actually meet back together at some point on the bridge. So a lot of bridging energy. The one thing that I see that I don't love, and I'm just going to be real about it, and it's active all week long. 
all week long. So we've got, like I said, I'm just going to back up. We have all this wonderful communication energy available, relationship energy available, healing a lot of the miscommunications that happened in the last month. There's a lot of energy for that. So I support that. I support communication. I support talking. I support maybe even over-processing because this is just a really efficient time to do that. Now, the thing I don't love is Mercury, not Mercury. <laughs> oh, he's involved though. Oh, he's involved. Mercury's involved. Neptune square Mars. The reason Mercury is involved is that Mars is following Mercury around still. Whatever Mer- Mercury is doing in the sky, whether it's good or bad, Mars is like right behind him being like, okay, where are we going next, Captain? Yeah. Luckily, Mercury's direct, so Mars is in a little bit of a happier spot, except he's going to go retrograde. It's going to be what it's going to be, and we'll meet it there during that week. The thing that's happening that's challenging is Mars in Gemini is square Neptune and Pisces. Mars is, as I've said in a lot of conversations, I've just been talking about Mars incessantly because he's such a big player for the fall. He, it, Mars archetypally for us as individuals and collectively rules our relationship to our own masculinity. Our relationships to our own ability to assert ourselves to the men in our lives, the masculine people in our lives, or people who are, like, it starts to get really didactic, I don't like it. Um, The people who present uh, in ways that are very typically Mars, which would be, like, anyone who's in um, military, combat, cops are ruled by Mars, uh, people that are here to, like, enforce things. Mars is, like, an enforcer. He's also literally a fighter, someone who is trained in combat but also our ability to assert ourselves in conversations, our drive, our libido, our sexuality, uh, just standing up for yourself. That's a lot of Mars. Now, Mars has a cutting quality to him. The shadow side is that it severs. Mars can sever. Mars can be like, I'm going to beat you at something. I'm going to win at something at your expense. That is very Martian. When he's square Neptune, Neptune rules the fogs of which we cannot see the numinous god spirituality the in-between liminal spaces uh psychedelic drugs addiction isolation uh hermeticism asceticism even mental health issues right when mars squares neptune in the sky this is going to impact everybody who's listening and also the entire world this transit is exact this week it will also be happening multiple times in the fall this exact thing i'm talking about is going to happen several times over because mars is going to station retrograde and come back over and talk to neptune again they're talking this week what does that mean when you have the planet of aggression assertion in a tough aspect to the planet of illusion and delusion especially because mars is following mercury which is communication it's going to sound like I'm nullifying what I just said. There is a high likelihood that all the facts are not yet clear, and it's going to take a lot of time to figure out what's real and what's not. Mars square Neptune, especially with Mars and Gemini, can often be two-faced communications, talking out of both sides of your mouth, not being honest, and or deception, like literally flat-out deception. The higher vibration of this is spiritual pursuits, Uh, doing volunteer work, working for religious organizations or spiritual organizations, prayer, meditations, mantras, all really great parts of this work, doing like Kung Fu, uh, Tai Chi, any kind of spiritualized art form, uh, martial art form, 
That's, that's like the best version of this energy, as well as just feeling a strong desire to commune with God, whatever that looks like for you. That could be running, that could be playing the piano, that could be going to the park, like whatever communing with God looks like. It could be going to a spiritual or religious organization. That's the highest vibration, the lowest vibration that a lot of folks are going to get grabbed by because the planets also used to be called grahas which means to be grabbed by them like they're little demons the people that are going to get grabbed and dragged will potentially engage in communication that is not entirely true or clear sometimes this will be malicious and sometimes this will be just like purely accidental because mars and gemini creates an adhd like masculine assertive force when Mars is in Gemini, he can't quite focus too well on all the tasks, and he also tries to take on more tasks than he can handle. In a square to Neptune, it's like you sign the contract without reading it, or you skip a step because you weren't paying attention, but it ends up being a crucial step. <laughs> you know, and it kind of like sends a domino effect in whatever situation's happening. Or you communicate something to somebody and you think you're being entirely clear, and that person takes what you're saying and takes it in like a 180 degree angle away from what you really meant. So it can feel very polarizing. My advice, because this is active all week, and it's funny because, you know, of course, you heard me just say, like, communicate, communicate, over-communicate. I think the key here this week is to over-communicate, to be really, to, like, ask a very valuable question this week, which is, do you understand what I said? Can you repeat back to me what I said? Or double-checking the emails, triple-checking the text messages, literally, quadruply reading all contracts. This is not a week to just, like, sign things away. Um, you got to pay attention to what the hell you're signing this week or what you're even orally getting into a contract around. Like this would not be a week to overpromise, and people will people. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my gosh, people are going to say that they can do all of these things and it will land a lot of folks in hot water for that reason. Um, again, there's not necessarily like a malicious level of deception that will certainly appear in the collective because the collective always embodies the the lowest vibration like when you read the news you read like the shadow side of a transit every time so there will be like world news happening this week that involves um, secretive military attacks uh, especially water-based because neptune rules water maybe some naval stuff there will definitely be secrets revealed that are really um have a lot of repercussion, could have to do with specific organized religions, etc. I'm getting into mundane astrology. I'm going to get out of that. We're going to move into Mercury's stationing as I record this, so this is just a smorgasbord. But anyway, digressing from mundane or worldly astrology, going back to the individual, be really mindful of your communications this week and over-communicate. Over-communicate. Make sure, double-triple-check, that they heard what you said and that you heard what they said. And also maybe, you know, this is a week to have the communications and to spur them forward, but also maybe release the expectation that everything's getting solved this week or that everyone's on the same page this week because they still, this is still like realignment time. Everyone's getting like re in synchronized swimming. They're all like resynchronizing. It's not quite there yet. So great time to have the conversations. Just be overly communicative and low expectations in terms of things being magically changed or shifted this week it's going to take some time mars is really confused right now because basically neptune has him in his hold so neptune's like welcome to my psychedelic landscape and mars is like 
I don't really know what to do. So a lot of people are going to experience analysis paralysis uh, or situations that become overly complicated quickly. And the reason they become overly complicated quickly this week is because the energy of gossip, scandal, slander, deceit is very like likely it's just there's a higher potentiality for it and anything that is negative or evil speech immediately complicates a situation beyond normal so that's how you know if you have a situation this week that feels all of a sudden infinitely complex it's because there is some layer of deception happening that's what complex simplicity is like just honesty like if you're honest life is actually quite simple if you're not honest life becomes very complicated being more discerning and more attentive around all the interactions you have this week if you feel confused so the thing that happens when people feel confused is they often act out because confusion is really scary right confusion is i've talked about confusion but it's related to fear you know, when you're don't under, when you don't understand something, it's confusing. And then you can often in that state of confusion act reactively, which can come up in ways which are, you know, um, acting against other people or trying to protect yourself by shutting something down or not fully dealing with something because you're overwhelmed. If that comes up, take time to just get clarity, like tell people, I'm sorry, I'm really confused about this thing right now. Or like, I don't, like you know the astrology this week it's confusing so you can just be like i'm confused i'm i need some time to get clear about this and I'll, I'll reach out back to you they can wait this is a big part of the eclipse cycle is being really clear with people so that you don't engage in toxic behaviors with others this is about releasing toxicity in your di- interpersonal dynamics all month and a half all the way basically until december so this period of time is like really Take care of yourself so that you don't engage in addictive, toxic, you know, forms of evil speech, forms of gossip, scandal, slander. This is really not a week, really not a week to engage in evil speech of any kind. It's a great week to communicate with people about your experience and listen to them about their experience. But it is not the week to communicate to people if you are communicating to them where you're trying to get in their business and tell them how to live their lives. Wow not it's like that's the exact thing that neptune would trick mars into doing which is like i can fix this person i can just you know tell them how to live their lives and they're gonna do it wow that's how it works no absolutely not that's not what's happening what's happening is everyone is a little confused this week because mars is under the beams of neptune everyone's sensitive because neptune's a very sensitive planet And everyone's trying to figure out how to take care of themselves this week so that they can have the hard conversations in their life that they know they need to have. If you're taking accountability for yourself and where you're at and taking breaks when you need to take breaks because you're confused and afraid, you'll do really well this week. It's a great week for all that. It's a great week to have the conversations within your limitation. This is the beauty of the trine from Saturn to Mars. Saturn is saying, hey, if you have boundaries, you can do all of this work. It's all available for you to heal all the messy stuff in the dynamics, the relationship dynamics. You just have to have boundaries, which is a container. And the container's rules that you make and follow that work for you. Everyone has a different, you know, system. Speaking of breathing, I'm like really trying to breathe a lot during this Mars and Gemini. Just big, big piece of advice for everybody. I feel like I can't breathe enough right now. Deep, deep breaths into the belly during this entire period until March of 2023. It's very, very important. It's important to breathe deep your whole life, but especially right now. 
Hypochondria is also possible for people or, you know, kind of surprising health symptoms showing up. This is very much a health aspect with Mars square Neptune. It is best to get symptoms checked out just to be safe. So again, people may think they are sick with something that they are not, which is the definition of hypochondria. I realized in a previous episode I used histrionic, but I meant hypochondriac. Here I am, you know, Mercury retrograde. I was fixing a thing I said. But hypochondria, thinking you're sick and not necessarily, or like overdiagnosing, that can certainly happen this week because the immune systems of the collective will actually be largely very sensitive. So people may get a little cough this week or feel a little under the weather or tired. This is, oh my gosh, this is like such a tired energy. Just slow down to meet that level of tiredness and you won't get sick. But also if you do end up getting a little cold or whatever, get symptoms checked out just to be safe because it is a Neptune contact, which is always a little bit of a health thing that I see. You know, I'm not going to go day by day here. I just want to say the big emphasis really all week is communication. This is huge. We have Jupiter opposing Mercury this week. We have that Mars following Mercury squaring Neptune. So it all leads back to Mercury, which is communication. This is such a big week for mercurial things. It's a lot around cleaning up the massive miscommunications that happened between September, you know, the whole, basically all of Mercury's shadow, which was most of September and then this week of October. So we're cleaning it up. We're really, really cleaning it up. Having honest and raw conversations. Honesty will help you so much this week. There may be opportunities. The universe may present opportunities for you to not be entirely honest or be less than honest. And I'm just speaking literally, God is speaking through me right now and telling you, This is the week to be really honest, even if it hurts you or hurts the other person. Obviously, you can do this in a way that is like it's Libra season after all. You can do this in a way that's graceful and nonviolent and peaceful, but also just real, very real. And this is prepping us to go into eclipse season with like less baggage on ourselves before we go into a massive change cycle. So the less baggage you can carry into October 25th, the better. And part of that baggage is being like, I'm just going to really be very clear about how I exist in regards to this person because Libra, this is Libra season. So it's usually about another person. And if you need relationships to be doing more or less for you, also communicating that wanting to form relationships at this time is also amazing. There's some really karmic, beautiful relationship energy here that I love. The Neptune square Mars is a little challenging because it creates a level of, again, like I said, confusion or deceit that is possible. So just be extra discerning and ask people straight up questions. Just be like, are you being honest with me? That's a great question to ask somebody if you have a little inkling that maybe that's not what's happening. Ask them, are you being honest with me? Is there anything else you want to share that is pertinent for me to know? Like that's the beauty of this week. You can get to the bottom of it. So that's a really big part of it. Let me see the weekend just to give you all the weekend vibes. There's some really supportive energy this weekend starting on Friday. We have a grand air trine. Beautiful. So there should be some clarity by Friday. I really like Friday a lot. There should be some clarity for all folks, even if that Neptune is still acting on Mars. Just know that there's, if you're following, Saturn is the key here. If you are creating boundaries in your relationships this week by being honest, clear about where you're coming from and being responsible for your feelings and behaviors, you will be rewarded on the weekend. I mean, this is like you did the work, you created the boundary in the container, you're sticking and dis- you're sticking to and you are disciplined to your boundary, your container, your vessel. 
wow, like the sun, Venus, moon, Mars is all trining Saturn. They're saying, yes, Saturn, thank you. Thank you, Daddy Saturn, for giving us a rule book to play by. We want to heal our relationship to ourselves and to other people. So that's the week. I hope you enjoyed this. Really just full takeaways because this is such week-long energy. I don't really need to go day by day. This is a lot about taking personal accountability for where you need to release toxicity in the way you communicate around your relationships. All right? Just rewind that and listen to it a couple times, what I just said. <laughs> that'll, that'll get you really clear on that. And again, the key thing here that I'm loving is this Saturn and Aquarius, which is like create community, but also have boundaries around your community, have boundaries around the way that you live your life so that you can show up for your community. That's a big part of Saturn and Aquarius. There's a community piece or like a collective piece, but the only way to show up for the collective is if you have really strong boundaries that help you maintain your integrity and your genius. It takes time to discover what those things are, but this is the time to be discovering them. This is, this is the time to be integrating what the truth is for you and how your life can reflect that in your daily behaviors, in what you are disciplined around, all of those things, what you are focused on, they are the container. So whatever you're taking in and whatever you are putting out is all of that Saturnian stuff. So pay attention to it. Just be really clear about whether you're actually taking responsibility. And if you're moving too quickly, you can miss where you need to take responsibility or where you need to further investigate. Curiosity is really good this week, like being curious about that. I hope this was helpful. I am going to shift now to our guest portion. So excited. If you love this podcast, please rate and review. Share it with your friends. It's a lot of fun. It takes work. I need support. I love support. So I'm ready to receive it. My link tree in my show notes is a way you can support me by booking a reading. I can support you. It goes both ways, baby. And now we have Daniel C. here on The World of Rex. Enjoy. Welcome back to The World of Rex. We are here with Daniel C. I am elated to bring you the conversation we're about to have. Daniel is definitely many hours ahead of me right now. We're time traveling because you're in a different continent entirely daniel say hello to the listeners how are you doing well first of all i just want to say i'm really stoked to be on the cat podcast i love this podcast and i adore you marvel and i adore our connection our conversations that we've had so far so i'm just I, i'm just really looking forward to this i am i'm in central europe i'm in vienna austria so you're on pacific time so we're nine hours uh apart, apart. And, yes. and so it's it's 7 15 in the evening and it's nine what is it, 9.15 for you or 10.15 for you? 10.15, yeah. Right. Yeah. Morning. So, yeah, yeah. different. We're, tra we're traveling through space and time, which is one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> yes. yes. So, Daniel, uh, just to give the listeners a little bit of an intro to you before we dive in fully, I talk in the pre-show talk, I was like, if someone came up to you and was like, who is Daniel C., what would you say to them now? I know that this is a constantly changing thing. But I'm so curious. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. I got invited to speak at this demonstration, which I, uh, uh, in solidarity for the uprisings going on in Iran. And, you know, I felt like, who am I to speak about any of that? But the fact is, for various reasons, people, even if they're living here, they might not be able to speak in mm -hmm. public. So, um, and and so I was thinking, you know, what I have, have learned from a lot of um BIPOC, but particularly indigenous uh, friends and activists of mine is to introduce like 
who I am, like where I'm from, like my identity. Because a lot of times with white people, we don't really feel the need to do that for some reason. I don't know. Or at least that's what it seems to me. So, but then, you know, then I also want to say, well, I'm just an actor. I'm an artist. I'm this. So let me, let me just say, I, I, I am a descendant of European um, colonial settlers. Uh, I grew up in California. Um, I identify as white. Um, I, uh, I'm an artist. I am an interdisciplinary artist. So I am an actor, a musician, and um, I also am a conceptual artist. Um, I do research-based art, um, mostly performative, but also some uh, drawing, painting, uh, different mediums. And I like to think of myself as a community person. So I've, I've been out and in the queer um, particularly like uh, specifically queer, which wasn't a word really used, but I've been out and queer since 1992. I came up in the Bay Area, punk and queer scenes, San Francisco, Berkeley, and Oakland. And um, and I've lived several different places and kind of, um, I've been in the mainstream eye through television acting, but I have always steadily been a part of um, different communities. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an activist, but I definitely am in, community with activists and I try to, I am uh, definitely politically orientated and that is also something that has been since I, I was a teenager. And I'm also a, a middle, I'm a person who's approaching middle age. So I'm 49, um, I was born in 1973. And I think it's interesting to think about people in the context of uh, of when they were born, if they're into that, I'm into that. So I'm always yeah. very upfront about that. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that if that says I, I, I yeah I guess that's what yeah. I I think what I treasure most is my community my friendships um and my my family my chosen family and my some of my most of my blood family um are really important to me and yeah I guess that's about it. That's a beautiful answer. And as you're answering, I'm realizing, Daniel, like, first off, I'm just like honored to be on the pod with you because as someone who you know, I'm, we're in different, we're from gen, different generations and I really love generational uh, dialogue, generational, just like even understanding there's obviously like astrological differences between every generation, but just realizing that you are this time capsule similar to some folks I've interviewed already on the pod who came about as transmasculine or genderqueer or queer in the eighties and nineties and thinking about that versus me, because I was born in 1992 Daniel yeah <laughs> so you yeah were out and queer the year I was born <laughs> yeah yeah you know I do think about these things not in terms of hierarchies or anything mm -hmm. like that but just mm -hmm. in terms of it's important to me I I have a intergenerational community so I have people um that are close friends and colleagues all the way into their early 20s um you know and all the way uh, I have some friends uh, like in their 70s and 80s and I think it's really important to consider our our times that we came up, but also, you know, put it aside at the same time, you know, we yeah. can. So, yeah, I love that you are, the, you're 31, right? I'm turning, I remember, 30, I'm turning 31. You're turning 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that is, it's like almost 20 years difference. And so, you know, but, but again, I have this feeling, I guess I'll just say it up front. I've been waiting mm. for your generation to come. So I feel very seen by mm. um, people your age and like a little bit older, and a little bit younger that, um, I felt like I was pretty misunderstood by a lot of my generation, but I don't know if I'll get too deep into that, but I feel really seen by you all. And I feel like a whole kind of dialogue that I've been waiting to have. So that's exciting to me. Not all of your generation, by the way, but the, yeah. the special ones, <laughs> totally, you know, totally, obviously, totally. you know, not all of any generation, but yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and and one of the people I interviewed was Jed Bell a few episodes back and Jed came about, he was in San Francisco as a trans man in the 90s. And his experiences really touched me because it did feel like an entirely different world. And well, of course, San Francisco was a bubble and was kind of a safe haven for a lot of transmasculine and genderqueer identities. But, you know, talking with him and realizing that, yes, he 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 shares your same sentiment where he's like, I'm so grateful that y'all exist today and that there's an, a more easefulness in terms of just being in the world. And also, I think it's important for folks to know your story as well as Jed. So I'd love to ask you some questions in terms of, you know, what over the last couple of decades, so like the 90s, 2000s, what are, what are you noticing in terms of just your easefulness and represent, representation or some of the things that are maybe more hard or challenging? Yeah, you know, one thing I always come back to, because, you know, time change, you know, the world changes in increments. And you don't always realize until you look back and go, wow, you know, how are we doing stuff back then? So for example, like I came up in LA, I wanted to find the the punks and the alternative people, but I didn't have the information of what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely outside also just because of gender reasons and neurodiversity reasons. Yeah. Um, I definitely was bullied and I definitely felt like my people were elsewhere, but I didn't know where. And I had this vision of, of, of the Bay Area in my head because my aunt lived on Telegraph Avenue and I had wow. visited her in the early 80s. And I saw a lot of punks and hippies and alternative people living on, on and selling stuff on the avenue and just living their life. And I thought that's where my people are. So back then there was no internet, obviously, uh, in the in 1989, when I was considered leaving home um, as a teen. And I just had this picture in my mind and you would hear things from people. And, and then luckily I went to the Bay Area and that was the whole school in itself. So you know, I enrolled at community college, even though I just had my uh, GED and I um, took classes and I, you know, I got to go hear Angela Davis speak. I, yes. I met a lot of the poets of Telegraph Avenue. Um, I got to see a lot of punk bands back then that were talking about a lot of political stuff. So I, I consider myself really lucky because I came up in the Bay Area, which is all of its politics is always um, led or always influenced by black and brown and people of color movements and the disability yeah. movements and the queer movements. So um, that legacy is just infused in, in everything, especially back then. So yeah. um, I can't take credit for being exposed to those things, but I sure am grateful that identity politics is something that I learned about when I was a teen, you know, in the early nineties. Um, and sometimes it was hard lessons to learn as a white kid, you know, but yeah. definitely was like, just a great thing. So what I could say from that is, yeah, I got the notion of um, that there was something wrong in society, that it wasn't mm. necessarily me and that there, the systems um, in place, you know, this it's this punk kind of idea that I grew up with, the political punk, where um, let's look at the systems itself and figure out ways and dismantle this kind of um, selfish, hierarchical, all the things that had led to my bullying or anything. Let's Let's, and I'm not saying it was perfect or anything, but that was the attempt that I saw around me. And then when I came out, when I was as a, uh, when I turned 19, I joined a band and um, I had seen Tribe 8 play and Bikini Kill and some different yes. bands. I was encouraged by uh, particularly uh, Kathleen to uh, Hannah to play, ask if they if there's anybody who plays instruments, you know, who are girls at that time I identified as. And then I got in a band and our first show, you know, we, we, we played in drag at the time, you know, um, at Gilman street um, project. And um, yeah, that's kind of my queer journey. So it's always been infused 
in a political way. We always felt very outside, like going to the mainstream places in the Castro or any of that. It, although we, I had affinity for it just because in some ways those people related, but it was definitely, we. I felt like I was part of a alternative community, which at that time didn't exist online. There was no online really. Yeah. I mean, I eventually had an email address in about 94, but all of this was uh, personal connections, um, traveling, touring, and meeting people. And, you know, you'd get a record in the mail. Maybe you've had other guests talk about it. You get a record yeah. in the mail, you look on the back and see what things are available. Kathleen Hanna sent me a packet of zines. Like she didn't know me, but she sent it to a bunch of us who gave us um, her our our addresses um, wow. on their first tour to the Bay. And then from that zines, I, I encountered a lot of uh, queer theory and feminist stuff and stuff about being survivors of mm -hmm. abuse and all these things that were brought mm -hmm. up in those zines. And um, from there, you know, and then with the influence of a band like Tribe 8, which of course has Silas yes. Howard and, and Brie Love and, um, and uh, Leslie Maul. Yeah, they were they were my elders, you know, a little bit older than me. And yeah. then seeing Vaginal Creed Davis um, to, mm -hmm. uh, performing, you know, a lot of these people who influenced me, um, also Kathy Opie, Kathy Acker, all these people were around and they were my elders that I really looked up to, you know. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I came up. But yeah, it's, it's different. Like the thing about identity, I felt like it was an experiment um, that we were all creating together. And there was a lot yeah. of creativity there. Now I know that there was also a lot of like, I didn't like how a lot of the butches would try to like basically say I wasn't butch enough or yeah. they would like sometimes objectify the femmes and the FMs liked it too sometimes or whatever. But like, I didn't do all those bro games cause I didn't grow up with that kind of masculinity yeah. um, so much cause my dad's a gay man and he's kind of effeminate. And I, and so because I couldn't bond in those ways there was a lot of ways where I also felt kind of outside of that scene that sounds like it was so perfect, but you know, so it's complicated. That's what I meant about when you when your generations come along, I feel finally seen because it's not a such a binary way of yes. being. And yes. that's kind of how I always was, like as like a kind of a princey character in the yes. mix, you know? We're so we're um, princes together, Daniel, because yeah. I, I can relate even in the even in the mid two thousands, I remember hanging out with queer women and I could never be butch enough with the butches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I remember that feeling that you're sort of speaking to that uh, just that even though you're like you feel safe and you're like I love mm -hmm. these people there's also that that slight nuance of isolation where you're like oh and mm -hmm. I'm not quite this mm -hmm. which I think is very common to the transmasculine experience but especially if you're like princely like we are so <laughs> yeah and I think like also yeah I don't know there's a lot of levels to it and I didn't only hang out there I did end up going traveling and living in different countries for most of the rest of the 90s. So mm, okay. from the mid 90s on, I lived and I was squatting and living in occupied housing in, in Europe and Eastern okay. Europe and eventually traveling on further east. So that was a whole other context of living. So that, yeah, I mean, for example, you, you're traveling, right, in Europe and you, you send a letter to, to your friend where they're going to stay in Berlin and you say, okay, I'll meet you in one week at this one bar, like, yeah I'll on a there, letter you know? and it's a letter, like right in yeah. a le in a letter that you send in the post that you hope makes it you know yeah. or you call some number you ask them to pass a message I mean or like we always like to talk about in Berkeley the punks we had um Ivy and Janelle Blarg and, and Ivy Jean they had set up this shoe and Holly Retzinger mm. they had set up this shoe on the top of the Bart 
um, station elevator and it was a big red shoe like size 13 and everyone would leave notes in there because we didn't have cell phones or anything so it's oh, like you would look through the notes and find your a note giant like, oh, shoe in a giant red high heel shoe that was just stuck up there and you'd have to climb up on this thing pull it down and be like oh I guess um I'm oh there's a note for me okay yeah I'll meet them at the show later or I'll meet them by the train tracks or hey those guys hopped train up to Portland or whatever you know just really information. so in the show it would be like hey daniel this this is yeah. the show i'm going to at 7 p.m you'd be like sweet and you like pocket the note and then head on the train yeah oh, God. yeah exactly or walk oh. over or whatever so i mean that's kind of glamorous but when i tell my, my the kids in my life that are teenagers in berkeley now that that's how we communicated before internet or, or phones or anything they just think it's pretty cool. So, I mean, a lot of us were squatting. Some of us were squatting and stuff too. So we didn't have landlines or anything. So right. it served us well. Anyway, not to be too niche with this conversation. I love but, it. but those are some of the things, you know, it's like yeah. uh, you go traveling, you might not talk to your friend for months and yeah. or, year, you know, years. And then you come back and you, you don't know. They look totally different and you didn't get to see on Instagram. Oh, there they are in Croatia yeah. or anything, you know. Yeah, we so. now live in this like technologically inundated world. And I do think that there's such a tie to like gender identification and the internet, gender identification and technology. And so, yeah, although now we have a lot of space to be nuanced and to be and to be all these many things, contradictory identif identifications, because the internet is sort of this like vast, endless stream of information. And so our bodies are becoming like endless streams of information and identification. So there's like good things. And then I also hear you and I'm like, wow, it'd be really nice for people not to be able to have direct digital access to me all the time. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. It's a mixed bag, you know. I kind of, I know, like, out of the, a lot of the internet ideas for the internet came from the queer punk scene, too, in San Francisco. So I worked at, like, the first internet service provider. I was just, like, there was three guys, um, Tom Jennings, he had, he did Homocorzine, and um, this guy, Geek, and this other guy, I forgot his name, sorry if you're listening. Um, but anyway, like, they brought me in, and they're like, hey, so we've got these modems, and they're figuring out ways to sell internet people back when we just had, like, an email address, and you know, their idea was like, let's have it be public access for a free flow of information. So in some ways, I feel like punk and zines and everything is infused into all of this, like Instagram stuff or anything. Mm, it's like, yeah, I remember people being very disclosing stuff in a zine, that kind of zine style diary kind of writing. It's a bit, it's a feminist legacy to, you know, coming yeah, out yeah. of like, you know, Audre Lorde or the, um, this bridge called My Brat, Bat, yeah. Shireen Moraga or, um, oh, and Glenn's I'll do this idea of autobiography remembering so mm -hmm. it's a very feminist thing but now I see it's just like you know we see the hard sides of it too but you know you open yeah. up an Instagram page and I'm always thinking oh my god this reminds me of these right or these homocore yeah. zines you know where people are like this is who I am you know declarations and kind of like identity markers and declaring yes. and you know Yes. And I, I there's that that I kind of love it for that reason. I mm -hmm. mean, I know the bad sides of it all, but mm -hmm. the, that side, I, I I think it's helpful for queer people a lot of times, you know. As an anthropological geek, because I'm just so interested in humans, you know, and I think <laughs> you, I can kind of sense that you are too. Like I'm just like broadly interested in humans and their behavior. Yeah. And so as as like a archive of human inclination and behavior, and as you're saying, mm -hmm. like self-identification like even when people are posting really think not not a selfie it's still an archive of something that they see themselves in or relate to yeah 
it's fascinating. Yeah. And 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 for me, I like that like everyone's getting into it rather than and it, I mean, I'm not without critique about this stuff. I'll just oh, say that sure. you know, but before there it was just more of an avant-garde weirdo thing to do to make zines and talk about this kind of stuff. And and I feel like this breaks a lot of this this hegemonic stuff. Like we none of my friends, we didn't have TVs, we didn't know anything about pop culture really at that time in the 90s because there wasn't much on there for us you know so being queer i would just say it was really different it was a choice to be outside the system the way that we were queer i mean none of us imagined even those of us who are now working in hollywood or their professors or whatever not many of us imagined we'd be ever taken seriously as artists as as um, directors actors anything we i mean i never even imagined that stuff for myself at that time because if you wanted to be queer you're you know basically most of the jobs we got from each other we had our yeah. own cafes we had our own it was yeah. definitely like very i mean somewhat outside the system i mean yeah. some people are going to school and they're artists and things but that is really different today what yeah. it means to be queer today is not what it was then and for me it, i know it wasn't what it was for my uncle who was in the castro in the 60s or my dad right. you know so i already knew it was easier for us but you know it was definitely a very different world and yeah. I have a question for you. That's something that I talk about with other queer and genderqueer folks. Did you imagine, could you imagine yourself grown up when you were younger? Like, did you see a life for yourself? I mean, that's just, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds weird. Like yeah. I imagined different futures. I imagined we would all have some piece of land somewhere. I didn't mm. know what I thought we were going to do. I imagined a lot of apocalyptic scenes, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. uh, I didn't, I mean, we were talking about stuff that maybe more people are talking about now back then, our, mm-hmm. our you know, Bay Area yeah. people. So I, I don't like that, that I could say that. I don't like that that's my answer because I think everyone deserves to dream of their futures and what they would want. But I feel like many of us were so caught in survival that mm-hmm. we weren't really thinking about in terms of anything like that. A lot of states, it was still illegal to have any kinds of like quote-unquote same-sex sex or anything yeah. I remember being on tour we had this map and there was like the different states and it was like what was illegal where and we we're like holy shit like most of the states we we're illegal here you know like wow oh you know what gosh. I mean like and it got and it broke it down to like in this state this kind of sodomy between these genders or like it was very grossly specific and it was a real eye-opener to go okay you know I guess just to say, I, maybe it was my own um, outsider nature too. Like if maybe if you talk to someone else that I, I came up with, they would say something different. But that's how it felt to me um, that it wasn't much of, uh, I, I didn't think I was not going to have a future, but I didn't sit around thinking, oh, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to do this or anything. You know, it was just yeah. kind of, it was very, very uh, experimental way yes. of living <laughs> i i completely i could not imagine myself even in the, well i grew up in salt lake city utah too which is like i grew up catholic in the mormon mecca of the u.s so a bubble within a bubble and that makes it so that i in the mid-2000s i could not imagine myself as an adult like a, at all i had mm, no concept right. map for it i was just like mm-hmm. i don't know what i am and therefore there's just a void there's just a void mm-hmm. ahead of me so it is interesting hearing that I, and it, you know, I have a little bit of a nostalgia, which I don't know if it's fair or not to have, or maybe I shouldn't have a judgment about mm-hmm. it, but I have a little bit of a nostalgia for when you speak of the Bay area in the nineties. And when Jed has spoken about it and other people, Silas and Harry Dodge, 
mm-hmm. because I hear the community aspect that I didn't have growing growing up um, and didn't have even in my 20s because I think late capitalism had progressed to this level where San Francisco was, no- when I moved to Northern California, San Francisco was no longer the San Francisco you mm. trounced through, you know? So it's right. very interesting to think about um, not and not to say, oh, you know, poor me, but just to be like, wow, okay, there was these moments where you y'all got to experience a form of like pretty raw community. Not that it was again, not to nostalgia, not to make it, not to use the nostalgia to make it just this like everything was roses and daisies because mm-hmm. I know that it wasn't. I know, you know, Jed has also said like mm-hmm. there was a lot of shit going down too. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm just grateful that y'all exist now to help add a layer of of nuance and reality to um, queer representation today. And I know that your life changed in the 2000s because mm-hmm. you, you ended up going back down to LA, correct? Like to, for a yeah, while. Yeah, so the way it went down, I mean, I would just say quickly, for whatever reason, there was, mm-hmm. a, there was affordable housing in the Bay Area. But when right. I think about why, it's mm. it's pretty sad reasons e- economic mm. collapse the factories closing and things like that right. so we could squat these buildings or we could rent cheap housing but it was also because an entire generation of people were still in the process of dying, dying so many of us the people's right. names you mentioned we all went through a lot together yeah. um watching our friends dying of aids of, of drug yeah. overdose of cancers or different things you know yeah. um and we did have some elders someone like chris kovic is a per- perfect example i feel like I could see some elders, like older dykes or, um, mm. you know, more of the dykes usually than the gay men, which was the two options that I saw mm-hmm. mostly. Um, mm-hmm. They just yeah. seemed so amazing that I was like, yes. how could I have to be like that? Yes. You know, but, uh, but, you know, we went through a lot in terms of that stuff. So yes, just to say the community, I mean, the things that bonded us were sometimes like caring Brief for our friends loss. who were dying, yeah. whose family had turned their back on them or being blocked from seeing our friends because they were dying in the family were right wing and they didn't think we should be able to see them or um, a lot of things went down, um, including, you know, more like drug abuse and things because of not having access to trans healthcare or yeah to psychological help. Most of us didn't have health insurance. You know, there's a lot of reasons that we needed each other. And yes. then of course that can turn into difficult things too. But um, I'd say for the most part, most of us feel pretty lucky to have been together in that time. And so, I, as I said, I was traveling in Europe and then in 2001, uh, right before September 11th, I came back to take to care for a cousin of mine. Um, and then in 2002, I moved to New York City with my partner at the time. Her name, um, she's a performance artist and musician named Bitch. Yeah. And she kind of imported me to New York City. Um, we love Bitch. Worked, we love yeah, Bitch on the show. <laughs> she's pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, her and Marie Hill kind of um, really encouraged me for a few years to consider uh, what I wanted to do as an artist, you know, um, mm. and, and I feel like really saw me. And I remember Marie saying, Hey kid, like, you know, we can make you a star or something. And, you know, <laughs> yes. they really helped me to make, help me make a one sheet. They helped me go to my first audition with John Cameron Mitchell. And cause I had acted in Laney college um, uh, in Oakland, which is a, has a really great legacy because it's like the, um, the merit, the Peralta merit call, like merit college was part of it. It's, Mm. it's where the black Panthers formed. It's like, it's has a very radical history. Wow. So at that time, when I came in, a lot of the professors were quite radical left wing and I got to do this theater, but I pretty much realized pretty soon that there were no parts for me. You know what I mean? There was just like one femme ingenue and then like eight cis dudes and that's it, you know? So I went towards music, but then, 
I decided in New York, like I wanted to act. And it seemed, I was very embarrassed to admit it. And I think mm -hmm. we talked about this before, but I was yes. very embarrassed to say, okay, I want to act. We I don't know why. In, we have this in common. Yeah. I mean, we have this in common. I, right? I, I had a judgment as actors for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Growing up in LA in the 80s, you're like, you want to be an actor that equals yeah. you are a total narcissist, you know, which exactly. isn't true, actually. A lot yeah. of actors are not at all, yeah. you know. I have but, a profound yeah. respect for the craft now, but if you'd talked to me three or four or five years ago, I would have been like, um, mm -hmm. I'm too smart yeah. to be an actor. <laughs> Which is yeah, so funny basically. now when I think about it. <laughs> yeah. And there was a big divide, which we can talk about uh, in yeah. terms of like what's avant-garde or what's mm. fine. Even exactly. when I came to LA yeah. later, I felt that from the fine arts scene, like, well, you're mm -hmm. at, this is just like rolling their eyes at me. Like you're just some soap opera actor. star. I'm like, yep. dude, <laughs> many things. But, uh, but yeah, so then I decided I wanted to act and it happened pretty quick. So Murray Hill is who I, and Bitch are the two people I credit. And then John Cameron Mitchell for giving my first role in Short Bus. And then Wonderful. the L-word folks for bringing me on, though I had almost no experience in terms of how Hollywood would see it. Um, Short Bus. And so really then quickly, I went back to LA. Short Bus, just really quickly, is like, I, I just want to shout out Short Bus for all the listeners. Watch yeah. it. Like seminal. Yeah. I, I have a funny story about Shorpus that I think I may have told you and I've told Zachary and it always makes her laugh. Mm -hmm. My parents, I'm going to just like be totally real. I think my mom listens. So, you know, she's going to have to deal with this right now. I remember like going through their closet one day and I found a bunch of like porno DVDs and mm -hmm. short bus. Oh, really? It was like you a bunch it? of porno DVDs and Short Bus was one of them. I guess, oh God, I I guess Short Bus was considered. Marvel. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess love this for you. I guess, I and I was like, me. Daniel, I was like 11. You know what I mean? Like I was gosh, maybe 12. Yeah, yeah like 12. 12. Like I was like an old enough mm -hmm. to be like, ooh, I want to watch these. So I like watched all of them, all like the pornos. And then I watched Short Bus last. And I remember it's a visceral. I don't have very good memory of my childhood and, and adolescence because like the, the, the dysphoria was so mm -hmm. real that I blocked a lot of it out. Yeah. But I have a visceral memory of laying down in my parents' bed alone, like really cozy and watching Short Bus and being entirely, entirely transfixed by the entire movie because mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't know you. I didn't know, you know, mm -hmm. so many characters. Zachary apparently was at the the party that inspired Short Bus in mm -hmm. 1999 or 2000 in New York. So it's 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 so funny that it's almost like a portal to my future. But I remember it as like a 12 year old being like, what is yeah. this? This isn't porn. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, film can do that. I mean, you were probably a kid like me. Like I, I definitely was down at the supermarket where we would rent the VHSs. And for some reason, I had this amazing collection of like what it called world cinema, whatever, European, yeah. but also South American. So, you know, and I, I saw like Jodorowsky movies yes. when I was young. I would borrow them or like Santa oh. Sangre is like mm. one of my favorite movies of all time. So when beautiful. I was like 12, so I watched beautiful. that movie like every week. I mean, it's yeah. intense, but it, I love it, those can speak something to us of our, of our possible future, especially before the Internet. There's no yeah. researching anything. It's like these are the little messages coming through so it sounds like that was like that for you that there yeah. there was some calling there you know che everyone should, everyone you should check out yeah everyone should check out short bus i felt it yeah. i felt a very strong spiritual connection to the film and of course you know mm -hmm. now it's funny because i'm friends with you i'm friends with john cameron mitchell obviously you know this is mm -hmm. just it's kind of amazing i yeah. i and back then thinking it almost makes me like tear up because as as a 12 year old i really could not imagine my future and it felt like such a dark mm -hmm. void not to and not to victimize myself at all, just to say that like no, it's just the reality. I, I couldn't see forward. So that 
moment of watching that film and actually we're about to get to the next thing but when i also saw the l word for all of its many many problems both of those things i was like oh these things are kind of keeping me alive which is an interesting mm-hmm. activist element of like a soap opera you know right so we can talk about that we can talk about that yeah um, yeah well, yeah i mean short bus you know it, it has its limitations or whatever like anything else but yeah. for me the main thing about it was it really was like a bunch of community people mainly who made it happen and um it was very experimental and uh yeah, yeah it gave me my first chance at something so that's the main thing i'd say about it you know or, or like you know and as we look back like I, I am a spirit i also would say and i didn't say this in the beginning but i, I do consider myself I have a, I'm on a spiritual path, a journey, you know, all of my gender stuff is also like a spiritual uh, quest, you know, or, or it's like mythic in some way, you know, I like to think of it like a mythic thing, like it really like everything is faded or, or, you know, you can change your fate or different things in these moments. I didn't realize the significance of of even the TV show. I, when I was on the L word, I, I didn't realize what it could mean, you know, because I, at that point I had been out for so long and I was so far in the underground that I, I, um, maybe I didn't realize what things being more, well, especially mainstream, like the, the TV show, the, the L word, uh, how it could infiltrate out into the world, like these little seed pods of possibility, you know, even if yes. the thing itself was a little bit, <laughs> yeah. you know, when well, I first saw the L word, I walked out of the room. I was with John Cameron Mitchell. They said, yeah. hey, hey, have you seen this show? I watched like, 20 minutes i said i'm leaving this is bullshit these people are being so mean to each other this is not the community i know and in fact this is a terrible representation i went and washed the dishes yes. and then i ended up on the show the next year so it's like and then mythic of course journey. I, you know, mythic journey. yeah it's like um and it's many things you know yeah uh pop culture i guess uh, yeah i, I tell know. you know i tell people that like film is a spell it is really magic like mm-hmm. film is magic and and even to your point to like delineate the content itself, because I agree with you. I personally, um, this is just my personal opinion, everybody. I think the L word's really problematic. I haven't seen Generation Q, but I, the first, you know, there's lots of, uh, but but again, soap operas are just full, not just the L word, soap operas are full of really violent communication dynamics. That's part of what creates mm-hmm. the soapy, soapiness. Drama. Drama. Lots of mm-hmm. communication breakdowns, lots of things that I don't <laughs> really support, but people love yeah. to watch. And right, like reality TV, it's very similar. So that I don't love, but the actual spell of it underneath being able to get into my hotel, like getting into my home in Salt Lake City, Utah, and having access to this show. And I would watch The L Word at like two in the morning when everyone was asleep in my house, right? It's the classic, Mm -hmm. like, I hear gay men talk about this with Queer as Folk, Mm -hmm. where they watched Queer as Folk when everyone fell asleep in their house, right? Right. But it was just this like lifeline of like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's something and, you know, seeing you and a few other characters on the show, I was like, oh, they're actual creatures, like weirdos in the best sense of it, which was not yeah. everybody, but. <laughs> and it's it's great when you can transmit inside, um, which I wasn't sure at first if that would work. Like, I didn't really understand the medium because I was just coming into it. So, mm. and I don't think I had the kind of theoretical um, understands I have now, like, you know, after studying theory for all these years, like, um, I was just more like, okay, I'm going into the mainstream. It's a great job for me and I'll do my best. And then I fell in love with the character. And then Mm. I realized like, I'm the kind of actor that basically brings myself into the role. So what can I use of myself in this? And then 
pretty quickly people said that they were feeling something. And I love talking to, I get letters, a lot of the letters, I mean, messages in, in social media. Um, from digital people, letters. Digital yeah, letters, yes. People, yeah, digital letters um, for from people who, now it's coming up to people who are literally children or, or young yes. teens who yes. first encountered me as that character. And it's interesting what they, not to be, I'm not trying to be a narcissist here because like, like I said, I was always afraid to be that, but mm -hmm. um, I'm not a narcissist in fact, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But uh, just to say that, you know, to hear how, how some of what I always think is my, that whole culture I described mm -hmm. that I was involved in for like at that point, like 13, 14 years when I got the role in 2005. So that's like 13, at least 14 years later. I had all that with me and I was putting, it was all infused into the character. It wasn't just me, but it was like the magic of my people basically is yes. how I always saw it. And, and the people I admired, like a Leslie Feinberger, the people who I had read as, as a youth too, like um, all of that, I felt like I was trying to kind of transmit. And then the magical side, I feel like maybe a little of that did get transmitted, you know? Yes. You, of what, our you people. Just, what you just said gave me chills in the sense that I think acting at its finest is transmission. Like I think you are you are a vessel and you're transmitting. And I love that you have the cognizance and the awareness to be like, and it's all the it's Kathy Acker, it's Kathy Opie, it's all these people mm -hmm. that were in your life and you're like, okay, how do I bring them to an a highly yeah. mainstream audience? Yeah. And in fact, a lot of my friends were like, Oh my like I was kind of doing the cardinal sin you know mm -hmm. none of us had really I mean Harry did that one role in the John Waters film yeah. Silas was already um starting to make films and stuff like that yeah. and gone to film school but yeah I was the first one of our community to come into the mainstream and there were some people pretty skeptical yes. like some of which are even working in that world now but because we had <laughs> we were so indoctrinated with like that was the bad mainstream and those yeah. guys are, are just intrinsically evil and they will ruin everything so you know, there was a healthy amount of skepticism, like, yeah. what? You're doing what? Like, it, it just was very bizarre for, for our people, um, a lot of which are working in industry now or some. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we weren't all on board. But, you know, it, I think it was Pam Greer. I mean, I know it was Pam Greer, but it was Pam Greer and also Bitch's encouragement. She was really with me for the first years there, just like helping me to interface with a lot of the um, you know, the transphobia and the different things I was facing in yes. that environment. And I remember when Pam said, and I've said it before, but it's just so significant to me. She said, look, you know, this story is really important. So as uncomfortable as some of this is, mm -hmm. um, it's really important for you to just stand in it and, and to bring this because it, it needs to be told the story yeah. of this trans character that you're playing and no amount of hazing or bullying or like, you know, weird Hollywood stuff should silence that. And then she gave some examples from her own life and was very generous but I also saw that she was speaking a liberation language that I was yes. familiar with and I, I took it seriously I said okay you know I'm gonna do this like the best I can do um within this context you know yeah which as we know <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's troubling it's troubling it's challenging mm -hmm. I I'm feeling the depth of your statement because here I am in 2022 navigating things where I'm like oh wow there's still so much work in terms of transmasculine representation and Hollywood and how do you yes. navigate the sharks in the water and the fishes like how can you tell a, mm -hmm. a fish from a shark and mm -hmm. then I hear the depth of your statement where I'm like that was in 2004 and you know like yeah. I can't even it feels like the like the middle ages of trans mm -hmm. representation it, it was like I mean there was almost nothing right there was like Candace yeah. Kane there was very few 
people that were trying to get work and you had all the pressure, literally every mm. amount of pressure. I'm just experience. I'm feeling your yeah. like Leo level of bravery because <laughs> I know you're a Leo. I, I'm feeling your level of like warrior bravery here because literally all the expectations were on you to represent an entire community, like highly diverse community of people that were as of yet not represented really. And in a time when, yeah, it was just a very particular moment in time, too, because a lot of my friends who had I had always identified as queer, mm -hmm. um, which is a point of contingency I still argue with some of my oldest friends about. But it's just true because I was part of this Queers Together in Punkness collective thing that my friends put on shows. And that was the word I used for myself because I knew I wasn't just straight up dyke, you know, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. and that was a time where a lot of the people coming out of that were were transitioning like with trans guys, you know? And so where did I fall in that lot? And then you're playing yeah. this role, which I was hired. They didn't tell me it was a trans man. They didn't actually tell me if I remember correctly for like a few episodes, what wow. was going to transpire. So it was like, then they, I felt like I was carrying, wow. like I wanted to represent the butch people um, who didn't necessarily have the language yet of trans, which mm -hmm. ended up a lot of those transitions. So it's like, I was trying to like basically represent any like of our our people, which weren't a lot of which weren't. Yeah, I know it, it, it was complicated and I didn't have all the language for it either. So, and I had given up the word trans, which I had been using since 2002 because mm -hmm. I felt like it was important for people who, as we were establishing the need for medical, then we had mm -hmm. to use this um, pathological model or, or I don't know if it's pathological. We had to say, okay, dysphoria, that's the main thing, which yes. I, I, I do experience dysphoria and I believe it's a thing, but yes. the idea that you're only trans if you take hormones and do this thing oh, in yeah. a certain way. And then I was like, yeah. well, I don't want to say that I'm not because that will take away from this. Anyway, it was also a singular experience, uh, which I don't wish on anyone because there shouldn't have just been one of me anyway. Like, yes. <laughs> I mean, I benefited yeah. from it, I guess, in a way, but I, 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 when I look back, I think, wow. I'm just so much happier to be like in community with you. You're an incredible actor. I, I just can't wait to see more of what you're going to be making as directing, yeah. acting, writing, like, you know, just for me meeting you, meeting some other folks that are around now, it's like, um, it just really makes me happy. You know, I just, and you know, it's that thing of just shining the, the love thing is like, mm -hmm. it can sound very sappy or sentimental. People can be cynical, but it is a very strong light, this light of kindness and generosity and like uh, assuming goodwill and non-hierarchical ways of being. Yeah. In Hollywood can sometimes people get like a little like, oh God, like they misunderstand or, and it can be yes. hard, like you said, to navigate, but I'm not willing to give that up, you know? Yes. I don't think we have to because that's the magic. That's the sensitivity we bring to our work that yeah. touches people's hearts. And that's not something you can fabricate and you have that you know and yeah. and I think it's precious I think it should be protected you know yes wow Daniel yeah. thank you I mean I I feel that reflected back at you too it's I I'm like celebrating this moment because I'm realizing that you know the the acting to me is actually just like an appendage of my performance art practice so there's this way in which we are bringing in all of the like for you the like punk roots for me it's like slightly punk but just like creature-esque you know mm -hmm. I mean just bringing in the complexity of who we are into uh, a visible space to help I for me it's like how can I help the collective this is the way that I yeah. feel like I can help them mm -hmm. you know shining and and you know you as a Leo this is perfect like that's the actors mm -hmm. of the zodiac the performers of the zodiac 
So I, I love that. I want to get a little into your conceptual art practice and then kind of bring it back to like the acting today because we're we just talked mm -hmm. about the acting back then but I I want to know mm -hmm. where you're where you're looking towards in terms of the horizon of the future in that space but first you're in Vienna can we talk a little bit about being in Vienna and seeing the U.S. and then the the practice the art practice that you're engaging yeah. with in Vienna yeah so as I said in the 90s I did spend a fair amount of um, several years in Europe so I was familiar uh, with Eastern and Western Europe and um, different ways of being that the kind of lifestyle it afforded me um, in, in systems that were still quite socialist so let's say more people have housing more people if you're inside the system you know you usually have food school used to be free everywhere and this is changing but um, so let's say okay thinking about the acting so I gave it my all. Um, I did a, a fair amount of work, and then I just couldn't. At that time, basically, I did at most of the jobs I got for myself. And then the representation was like, "Well, look, you're not a boy, and you're not a girl. Mm. You're not a woman. You're not a man. We don't know what to do with you. All these mm. these parts are coming through, but it's literally it's very binary. I mean, they didn't use that yeah. word, but and I, I having been an artist, a musician, I was also doing performance art in the '90s when I was traveling. I did this character, the half man, half woman. Um, I had this amazing outfit that I don't know if you know Carrie Cronenwit, but yes, Carrie I do know Carrie Cronenwit. I do. He made me this outfit in the late '90s <laughs> that was like basically half man, half woman. Anyway, just to say, like, um, I've always made art, and I've always been a part of like avant-garde movements, like we talk mm. about. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to focus back on music, which I was always playing anyway, and I'm going to um, look into more about theory and conceptual art and perhaps go back to school you know eventually mm -hmm. that's what I decided to do so I I you know I've studied several things um in my research I'm really into the, into the body as a vessel so I've studied and everything from like um therapies to work with fascia the fascia of the body and the the tensegrity structure that is the body mm, and how it oh. holds trauma, somatic love things. the word. All this stuff is, yeah, it's incredible. just, it's incredible. Anybody look up the word tensegrity, Buckminster Fuller, yeah. there's whole buildings built on it, but it's also a way you can think of the body. All This journey of healing, I guess, in, in a way, or a remembering, which Gloria Anseldua talks a lot about, it's that mm. um, we have these ancient knowledges of ways of being in terms yes. of gender, in terms of collectivity, um, and, you know, let's say we could look at mycelial networks, like uh, we yes. could look at different models like Adrian Marie Brown does, or look at different models of the way that um, uh, things in nature run. So I'm interested in all that stuff, and I always have been. Um, and so I just put the folks back on that. And when I was done with this research studies of the fascia, I decided to um, want to get an MFA. But I didn't want, I wanted, I'm very specific because most of my community, my community is, is very, it's more diverse, you know, and a lot of times when mm. I visit the MFA, especially before, like a few years ago, there were just very white places and the references yes. were all very specifically um, kind of, I mean, I'm very overgeneralizing here, so I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anyone. And if, it, you know, I could be totally wrong, but that was my impression. And what I experienced when I came to Vienna um, in this special class that I'm in 
It's just the, uh, it, well, first of all, the critique of capitalism and neoliberalism, thinking about US empire, thinking of the political stuff that yes. I've just innately always been into. Yes. So if I'm going to study queer theory, I want to study decolonial queer theory. I, I've always, I made that promise when I was 19. I'm not going to read a lot of things by white people because I'm frankly not that interested usually, unless it's a specific thing. Um, I'd like to understand and be led by black and brown people. And that's a kind of a thing that I decided a long time ago. And so funnily enough, Vienna, Austria, which is like a Germanic place, but you know, it's a free university. It's a public university that has a really strong intellectual history, sp specifically in a few of the classes mm. there. So I go to the Academy of Fine Arts, Vienna. Okay. Um, in, I'm in the contextual painting class. And until recently, our professor was Ashley Hans Scheil, who's a, okay trans um well the trans masculine then went back to she more recently but they are in their 60s they did experimental films and they went into painting Wonderful. and from there you know uh, uh, the way our class is very diverse there's people from all different countries all different classes which is important to recognize and that's based on the activist work of many people but i benefit because i get to waltz in there in the last like five years or four years he um, immersed in in the kind of studying that I, as a person who left home young and mostly mm. just was working, took some class at community college. It's my first time to be able to just like, I have a studio space. I, I All of my class are just so kind and creative and um, yeah, just I'm making art. So this month I've got two exhibitions and one is in the library, which I'm really excited about because okay. I'm a nerd and I love libraries. And yes. uh, it's going to be a photo performance. Um, okay research-based i'm going to do some uh research uh, about books talk about animals and beasts and um you know myself as a I, I i'm not afraid to use the word imagination which i know is not the hippest thing but mm -hmm. uh imagination for queer people is like key Everything. so for me it's like it's i'm gonna do research in the library also like as a medium so i'm going to mm. try to tap into the the histories of people who existed there the last because it's been around since the 1600s so mm. what what imaginations are around in the room and how can i embody those into forms of writing and then perform it i don't know so stuff like that you know it's like so cool and at the same time it's an incredible moment in my life because i had some great opportunities in terms of coming back to acting yes. which i never actually left i did a theater yes. play a few years ago friends of mine Shota Mombasa, and some other um amazing artist and my partner Marisa Lobu but um but in terms of like back in Hollywood you know if you want to call it Hollywood or the industry yeah. or whatever film the and industry. TV yeah I <laughs> feel like it's my time you know I'm just like so stoked because I just realized that now in this moment there's finally space for someone like me which yes. didn't exist before you know or just very narrow mm -hmm. possibilities and mm -hmm. So yeah, everything from collab, you know, I've been in collaborative conversation with you and yes. with several other, not so many, but some key people who directors and writers and, and people. And, you know, we went to that trans mask meeting, meetup of yes. trans masks in the industry in LA in the film yes. industry and TV. It was such a cool feeling. I was like, man, my people are here. This is amazing. Yes. You know, so I have this kid-like feeling and there's a lot of momentum and there's actually a project which I can't talk about on here. Yes. Um, but there is a cool thing coming up um, that I, an opportunity I had. And yeah, just like I, I'm, I'm just found some new representation and I'm, you know, I'm putting myself out there to hopefully collaborate on, um, on projects, films, yeah. TV, whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. Well, you, yeah. And, you know, you said mythic journey earlier and I do think that 
if you are meant, I, and I'm, I'm going to sound really woo woo, but everyone on this, everyone who listens to this podcast know knows how woo woo I am. If you are meant to perform and be seen, it will it will draw you yeah. back to those spaces. Mm-hmm. So even though you were like, oh, you know, I maybe I'm done or I'm doing the art thing. This is how I, mm-hmm. I've always felt. It's like the moment someone saw me, you know, a decade ago and was like, you're a performer. I've really that cracked me open and I've really never yeah. been able to get away from it. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm celebrating you right now because yeah. you're, ex- you know. I'll say it like you're exactly where your heart wants to be, you know, and mm-hmm. if you end up back on stage or on set, like that's, and we need well, you. Yeah. And I think we really need to be encouraging others and, and be encouraged mm-hmm. and, and allow for ourselves to be encouraged. So for whatever reason, like I mentioned Murray and, and, and bitch and, and other people, John and different people yeah. who believed in me when I didn't really believe in myself, you know, mm. I want to do that for other people. And I want, I want to let people do that for me continually. Like yeah. the only reason I'm alive is because of my people. And, and that's why I want to make stuff and do things and live a good life. And um, so I had a magic feeling when it was snowing outside and I disclosed my vision which was that I was going to be an actor to my partner at the time and then she and her best friend at the time helped me make that happen it it happened very quickly I had a feeling I had no evidence for it but mm. I had a feeling and it happened within a year and a half I was working on that show mm. I have a similar feeling now I just I know when the times are right to to go in a certain direction I feel very young um I'm a young 49 year old like I have a lot of energy um, I'm lucky I have my health. I'm surprised I'm still alive. I'm living in honor of all of our friends who who yeah. passed. Yes. And yeah, and um, I mean, it's a lot to navigate, don't you think? Uh, thinking about everything going on right now. You know, I have yes. kids writing to me from Iran, teenagers, yes. you know, several. Me like Me too. Yeah. I have a few folks it, from yeah. Iran, Saudi Arabia recently, of mm-hmm. two queer folks who I think maybe on the trans masculine spectrum reached out to me from Saudi Arabia. And it's really heartbreaking actually yeah. Um, yeah and and also we owe so much to the people of yes. the global south or the, the 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 middle east or how you want to delineate like outside of the empires of us and and yes. canada and europe all of our movements are informed by what happens there so this uprising the, you know the arab spring informed our um occupy um <laughs> standing rock everything you know uh we we are in relation whether we recognize it or not yes, so i am i speak portuguese my big dream is to also be working in brazil acting yes. but we'll see if that happens but yes. um you know the elections were last night so it's like I was, yes, watching you know mm-hmm. we didn't sleep much me and my partner thinking what's gonna happen there you know i guess why i'm bringing that up is you know these are heavy times in a lot of ways but i think they are the times that our people like um with our queer magic trans magic we are here for a reason and we are here, I believe, to those of us who want to, I don't want to speak for others, but to bring that love and that revolutionary yes. love, you know, yes. that's 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 non-hierarchical, that is community-based and that is not narcissistic and not competitive. And, yes. and I think we can make art like that within Hollywood too. I'm not saying that it has to be perfect, but we can have film sets that feel collaborative and kind and encouraging. And we can give people opportunities of all different ages that didn't have opportunities before. Whether I don't care if they're like 60 years old and they always wanted to act, you know, I'd like them to be acting too. And the young people. And, you know, because our voices, we have such rich stories to share. And it's like, when I sit down talking with you, 
I feel that way, you know? I mean, what about you? So, like, how did you make that shift? Do you, I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but, like, sure. you, you know, because we're both, we're straddling those worlds, which mm -hmm. sometimes is frowned upon. I remember when I first came to L.A. and I was hanging out with the fine arts people, and I did feel a bit of that snubbery, like, oh, oh you're yeah. just from TV. But they never asked, like, where I was actually from, um, on the other hand. But, you know, how, how do you straddle those two worlds? Or how did you decide, like, to focus on acting, direct? Yeah. I know you were directing, writing. I'm yeah. starting I'm starting to gracefully dance with my heretical side and I feel like I do ex I do feel like I, I resonate with the heretic as an archetype but now I'm instead mm -hmm. of it being a more polarizing I think of tensegrity actually because it's tension yeah. and integrity right so I'm I'm starting to learn how to straddle being heretical in spaces, being a little provocative in basically every space I occupy but also having a grace and not dismantling myself because of that tension i'm not i used to when i was younger be like oh gosh no you know i'm i'm a lone wolf even even though i'm very community oriented no one understands me right or right. i'm or i get a lot of pushback for being myself which still happens mm -hmm. but interestingly as i get older i'm starting to be like i can exist in all these spaces and i can just love people if i just consistently yeah. love people and love myself th there's really nothing anyone can do no <laughs> It just, it, it's, it just, it's like Teflon. It just yeah. slides off if yeah. you keep that love flow, you know? Yeah. And I know it sounds basic, but I know you get it because it's like heart-based. And before it was like, oh, you know, especially during the pandemic, when it first went down, I was like, I guess I have to choose between the art world and acting. I was like, yeah. oh, I Isn't have that to interesting? Choose. Where did we get that idea? No one ever said that to me, but I knew yeah. that you were supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, I think that there's the systems pressurize us because Mm -hmm. Even today, the art world is still like, oh, you're an actor now. You know, I get that a little bit, but I'm still beaming love at the art world. And I mm -hmm. still keep getting opportunities in the art world. I just got a grant. Well, you're an artist. Like, I'm an artist. It's like, I. oh, good. That, you got a grant. Right? Yeah, it feels great. And the, the acting, the acting to me is actually really, truly the way that I, uh, the way when you're experiencing tension in your life, just reframing something can be so mm -hmm. powerful because I reframed the acting as a continuation of my performance art. It is a performance. Well, is. My acting persona is a performance. Not that I am like necessarily, I mean, we're always performing, but I am myself and I'm beaming love and also the curation and the finessing of my acting career is just a continuation of my performance art on a larger scale. Yeah. That's it really is. And anyone who's telling you that it's not, it's, they're not, they don't get it. It's like, mm -hmm. there isn't that delineation between those worlds. I mean, I understand how there is in a way, but it's sure. like, I, there are two different industries, let's say, but in terms of as an artist, like, that's just who we are. Like, I don't think if you talk to, I don't know, I don't know where these notions came about, yeah. where it's one or the other, because we know that intervening on pop culture or intervening in, in, in different mediums and using that. I mean, it's very like queer feminist stuff. Like, why are we all of a sudden going to be all conventional? Be like, oh, we have to be this or that, which I have felt that pressure in the past, you know? I don't feel it now because I'm just like boldly me. I'm like, yes. you know, I yes. mean, I know I'm a bit eccentric for the Hollywood thing. And I know I'm a bit like, maybe I seem a bit California love for the art world of Europe or whatever it is, but. I think all we need is like a few people who see us and want to collaborate and then we make good art and then it just speaks for itself, whether it be acting or yes. whatever, movies. Yes. And I, you know, I think about, I actually think about the acting in the sense that it's like a long-term endurance piece. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the, every role is just an endurance performance art piece. Like, I'm just like, it's, I'm just going to okay. keep going up this hill. And the directing of course is just like direct for me. I'm like, I've directed live works. So now directing film works, it's a different medium, I guess, technically, but it's, it's still this level of, for me, it's all prayer. It's all spell making. Yes. And it is spell making for what you yeah. said earlier, which is just like helping to create something post capitalism. Like, what does mm-hmm. that look like? Yeah. Within the structure, which is, you know, it's challenging, but it, it, it it's our work. And I think about yeah. now Bustamante, just a, a small. Yeah, example. I was just thinking of now who You're I've known also since yeah, I was yeah. young. Yeah, before the intervention with those talk shows, which used to she go was, on there. She was doing talk She's shows. She's always done this stuff, it's, you know? I think she did um, Rosa Does Joan on the Joan Rivers show. So mm-hmm, exactly. now is, is a performance artist who you know, basically pretended to be a, I mean, I don't know how much it was pretend, but basically was like, I'm an exhibitionist and went on to Mm -hmm. Joan Rivers and performed the whole thing. Yeah. And, and I love those moments of like, she slipped her way into this highly Mm -hmm. visible show and did it as like a conceptual piece. I mean, it's brilliant. I love it. It, It's, it's the way that we can be slippages in the cogs of the system. And that's my goal in Hollywood for sure. Absolutely. I'm with you, Marvel. I feel like we are definitely like um, brothers from another mother or whatever they say. I don't know if that's a bro <laughs> talk, but I mean, I love it. <laughs> when we talk about magic, I mean, when we talk about spell making, yeah. um, a lot of that stuff is kind of the center of what I'm doing. Like even the way that I approach acting, sometimes I do with dream work or with yes. different, I'm using, um, tapping into ancestral stuff, transcestral yes. stuff, yes. you know, um, yes. I, I'm, you know, Zachary, your partner, Zachary Drucker, who I've known for 20 years, yeah. is a perfect example of somebody who is a fine artist working in the mediums yes. of Hollywood and going between. So I think we are writing the new book on that anyway. I think we can throw away that old idea mm-hmm. they have to choose um, mm-hmm. and try to, you know, explain ourselves or things like that. And also, you know, things do get transmitted. And, and in our magical, you know, Ursula Le Guin talks a lot about imagination. Mm. ways that I love like mm. leaving it up to the reader to create um, yes. their own I mean we're collaborating right so yes. if we put something out in the world and we let people fill in the gaps and I mean as young person I used to do that all the time I mean I used to go see Sansa Sangre like I talked about yes. this Shodorovsky movie or Heavenly Creatures it was like my mm. favorite movie about oh these gosh. murderer Wonderful. kids but I was like oh my god that's a perfect um, vision of how my love was with my first love you know and yes. I was like okay it ends in a murder but but, you know, we're going to infuse stuff into it. So it, the fact is, is if it's genuine and it has some, something, I don't like the word authentic, but I don't know, has somebody done the work, you know, deeper work? Yes. And do they have something to share that I'm intrigued by? Yes. You know, it's not so much if they can pantomime, like, this is realistic, because nothing's realistic anyway. Exactly. <laughs> like, do I feel something coming from this? this person this vessel and is it waking up something in me that's of value that's kind of my thing whatever kind of art yeah one thing that's so inspiring just speaking with you now daniel is i'm realizing like how hungry you are for life and also how you really are like the the brave like you're not the cowardly lion you are the brave lion like throughout your life i mean i think especially when you did for me taking the big leap into Hollywood, which really can be a very scary industry, especially for a queerdo, like a weird person, Mm -hmm. a neurodiverse, like that you doing that requires so much bravery. It, it, for me too, I think I, at at this point in my life, I, 
am going towards the things that scare me most. And I think acting mm-hmm. in the industry is a very terrifying place and requires a lot of grit to also be mm-hmm. like, no matter how much I'm rejected, I'm going to keep going. And yeah. you've been doing this for like, at this point, since the early 2000s. I mean, it's huge. Like, it's just well, incredible. Thanks, yeah. thanks for saying that, you know, because I took what Pam Greer said to heart and I understood who she was, like, mm. in terms of, I love what she so was transmitting she's kit to me. on the l word by the way for everyone yeah she plays kit on the l word but mm-hmm. she's also like the first black superhero like woman i mean there's so much she could say about oh, who she is Greer, so true. but she's also very kind but just to say that um you know uh i'm a lion also that i'm protective of my people so yeah. what i when i talk with someone like scott turner Schofield, who's doing all this mm. work Schofield, sorry yeah. who's doing all this work with um, to protect trans people on set yes. and there's a lot of things that I didn't even know that I could have had or that yeah I mean it couldn't have been 2000s. back then but yeah. yeah it's like I want everyone to feel protected and, and I want the union to stand behind them and I want all this stuff like it's very moving to me to hear that that's possible especially for young people but not only young we're all sensitive yeah. you know um, but also to know that like if we experience hazing which I have and bullying and all the things you could I've had it pretty I had it pretty rough I'm not being a victim here it's just a yeah, fact this is a fact I was yeah, still exactly. able to do my job even being yes. neurodiverse and everything else and so I just say to other people like if you have this like dreams to make stuff with your friends and make stuff just like do it like don't I don't know don't I don't I won't say don't be afraid it is kind of creepy and I can get a bit ghosty about it like oh my god that world I did go through that phase of like Mm -hmm. like, that whole world are just like a bunch of zombie weirdos like everyone's greedy and horrible but that's not actually true you know yeah there's all different kinds of people and you just have to navigate just like anything else you know and um yeah, not be silenced, you know, because that's what happens. It, it silences us. And I wish it had been that, like, all the people I came up with, like, were there around me or or could see me for who I was. But, mm-hmm. you know, it takes special people to see us as we yeah. as we change and grow. And it can't always be the same old people you knew from before. You know, yeah. sometimes you have to meet new magic spirits. Like when you and I met, I was like, oh, my gosh, I felt like we had known each other forever. I don't know. I just yes. had a magic feeling, you know. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. I'm just yeah. so stoked because I, for anyone who's, I mean, everyone who's listening to this probably knows about you, Marvel, but let's say somebody for some reason is listening to this and they didn't know and they knew me more. I just want to say like Marvel is so talented. Like there, there's about to be a lot of um, <laughs> material out there, different yes. forms, whether That's it be true. films, writing, um, drama and acting like, you know, yeah, I'm just so proud to know you and I think I'm excited for you and for people to know your work and anything, you know. Thank you, Daniel. And you know, I will say one last thing that about our resonance is that every time I I love I love what you just said. Thank you. Like I I love feeling held up. I love feeling seen, especially like within our identification group where we sometimes struggle to be seen. There's mm-hmm. layers of visibility and invisibility happening for trans masculine folks. The thing I love you saying is like or that I will reflect back at you that you said earlier was that I I also feel like I'm excited for my journey and I'm excited for my mythic quest that I'm on as you spoke about and also like it is so integral for me to bring everyone up or bring yeah. as like just as many I wish I could grow mm-hmm. hands out of my body because it's yeah. like every I you know the trans mass cohort we did like I just want everyone to feel me too like they can live out their genius my my de- true desire is for 
humanity to live out its genius in every single individual. You know, I love Glissant. I think about Glissant all the time. That's mm -hmm. like the level of relational ethics that I want. Just like bringing people up, realizing that everyone's important and not just trans folks in Hollywood. I mean, that's my, that's where I'm currently mostly residing, but just really trying to do that. I try to do that with the podcast. I just try to be like, come on, everybody, yeah. you, you matter. Your heart's desire matters. Your mythic journey matters. And let's, mm -hmm. let's all work together. So I feel you. Yeah. And and when I say about like the only reason I'm alive, I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's just there was many years of my life where I was like, I don't know if I want to continue on this life, you know, like maybe I want to go to another galaxy <laughs> and yeah. end it, you know. And I just say if anyone out there feels that way, sometimes it's like, you know, just finding those people with, with unconditional love is like really because we were talking about conditionality and different things. Yeah. It's like unconditional love looks like, you know people love you for who you are not for what you can offer them which in hollywood is i had I did get some of those experiences you thought oh, yeah. someone was your friend and they just wanted something which coming out of the punk scene i never experienced before yeah. so yeah. um that does happen but you know you survive it anyway and then you realize like okay i can find my people exactly to lift up and, and when we're experiencing oppression that's another thing like a lot of i did have a narrative for a while that i somehow had failed that i like mm. had this great opportunity and i wasn't able to balance it into something else i didn't mm -hmm. consider transphobia um all the things right. going the on in hollywood working. there were literally right. no parts for someone like me yes um uh I, I guess just to say that um that's like a conditional love of myself like i want to be unconditionally mm -hmm. loving of myself too but yes. also that i wasn't also able to lift other people up because mm -hmm. i was experiencing a level of oppression which took me years to understand what it was called yeah. <laughs> and unfair a lot of therapy let's say um but now it's like, I want it to, that's always been what I would want to do is just be with my friends and, and people I don't know and just support each other. Like, that's why we're here and we're queer, you know, that's yes. according to me. Yes. I'm not here to like get all this stuff and have some big mansion and like be with oh, you yeah. guys. Like, that's not yeah. my <laughs> dream, let's say. <laughs> my daily spiritual practice, and I would, I would love to hear your response to this, but my daily spiritual practice on a very broad level without going into the ma mm -hmm. massive details is that I just really want when I go into a space, especially set, but any any space, mm -hmm. I really just want to be a place where people are like that person emanates love, yeah. compassion, patience. So mm -hmm. I work every day to be like, you're going to be putting love out. There's mm -hmm. no excuse, really, to be yeah, exactly. but that. And if and, and it does emanate from the self. You said it earlier, like. I also experienced what you experienced in terms of acting, where like the conditional mm -hmm. love with an actor is like, oh, I failed. Or, you know, mm -hmm. not realizing that, like, we're still in 2022 in this moment where trans, specifically trans masculine representation is still on very wobbly feet. There's still a yeah. lot of, you know, Laith Ashley and I were talking, we sometimes get commercial roles, but then mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll, you'll open up the, the commercial audition and it's for like Tabitha. A transgender person, you know what I mean? We're like, oh, we're like a trans like, femme. I guess, person. yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't, you know. It's always like you, yeah. you. It's not clear. Like it's like, mm -hmm. oh, we understand that they don't understand what's happening, so we're just sort of like yeah. trying to navigate it gracefully. I've totally auditioned exactly. for those roles anyway because I'm just like, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I'll play the yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, because they don't always know, and that's exactly it. You try to be graceful and kind of forgiving of them, which. 
I think we were kind of trained to do also growing up like oh, assigned absolutely. female. I was oh, definitely yeah. trained to kind of care for others yes. um, in that way, which some of which I like, but to yes. a point, but when you talk about the spiritual practice of love and compassion, you know, that's a fine line for me because um, I do say that, please show me um, how to be loving and tolerant and kind, mm -hmm. you know, and that is like my mm -hmm. compass. But sometimes that means standing up for myself because oh, I used to think it meant I just keep being nice until people be nice to me, but it doesn't yeah. really work that way. I found out. No, so, yeah, there's definitely you know, a fine line. I definitely like, I'm not ashamed to say I have a daily spiritual practice. I meditate, I have prayers, I say certain prayers. I, because I got to get my mind um, in the direction that I want it to go and to realize it's not all up to me, that there's like mm. these other forces that gives yeah. me a lot of comfort to realize it's not all just my will and I'm pushing it forward. It's like, I want to listen, like, what's, what's the instructions here? The magical instructions, what's the. Yes. You know, and to read read roles that way too. Like, yes. what's the magical instruction here? Like, who, yes. you're my director, like whatever that spirit or God yeah. or whatever you want to call. Yeah. What do you want me to do here? Because it's more, it's way more fun and exciting than my own limited imagination. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, and I, I I love to think about the like Mother Earth, you know, the goddess mm. and in all her forms and and the ways in which she cares for us every day, and try to pledge my allegiance to her as her like you know, maybe lion or her kind of, not soldier, I don't like soldier, but just like warrior in a love warrior for the goddess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I relate as a love warrior and a lion too, yeah. actually. Halo Rosa mm -hmm. Rosetti and I did an entire podcast on trans lions. So. Um, oh, really? Oh, God. So I'll, okay, have, to send you, I'll have to send you that one. That's a really, yeah. that's a really fun one. I relate to the lion as well. I've got some Leo in my chart. So this is. Yeah. yeah. We're here to be in love. Daniel, thank you so much. Is there any final things you want to share in terms of like things that you want folks to know about in terms of things coming up or how they can find out more about you? Or if not, that's totally great. Anything you want to share? Well, what I would say is the best place to find me like on the internet is on Instagram right now. I don't have a TikTok, although who knows? Maybe I'll... <laughs> I do like to do dancing. I do have a couple dance reels, like Brazilian dance, like when yes. they, they go viral and you learn a little dance. No, but um, anyway, I do have an Instagram. It's Daniel C. Um, <clears throat> and there's some link trees with some different articles there. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, sometimes I just want to have a list of all the amazing people that I love and that I adore mm. that do amazing stuff. So mm -hmm. maybe I'll make that soon. Yeah. Because I want to do shout outs. You know, I shout out to my partner, Marisa Lobu, who's a, um, conceptual artist and a community organizer and um, just an amazing person who I've learned so much from and my teacher Sheree Moraga who taught oh, me so much about writing and, and pedagogy in general mm. yeah she's a very special person and, and you know my best friend the public school teacher you know it's like I want to shout yes. I'm so old-fashioned it's like you know I, I I guess mostly I would just say I just hope that everyone is taking good care like even mm. though things seem really scary and hard right now like um just taking good care and finding loving and kind people to be around um you know and if you can't you can always send me I read all the things that come my way now maybe at me some too. point <laughs> I won't but you know you're not alone I guess yeah. that's the message I want to put out there sometimes it can feel very dire and lonely and we won't even know why but guess what you can just reach out you know and let someone know um, the trans lifeline I've used um, suicide hotlines before so I'm a big supporter of all that you know just getting yes. reaching out for help 
And in terms of work, yeah, I guess just collaborations, like I'm doing these um, exhibitions coming up and hopefully you'll be seeing me. If anyone, you know, wants to have some cool ideas about collaborating in terms of yes. acting, you know, I'm an actor. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty pro. I do a pretty good job. Oh yeah, we're getting <laughs> so, you out here. You know, I already, yeah, already let's got get yeah, out things here. cooking. Yeah, I finally got my like my people came, so I'm yes. a, I'm, now I'm excited. <laughs> yes, we're gonna have a party. We're gonna have a big yeah. revolutionary party in Hollywood. Well, Marvel, yeah, I just want to thank you too for inviting me to be on here because like there was a long time where I was hiding a bit from the public mm -hmm. eye. So I'm back out there and just to be able to have such a generative and, and beautiful conversation. I have a feeling it's not our last, and so. Yes. Um, you know, it's definitely not our last in life, but maybe we'll do another podcast at some point. Yes. And uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, just I appreciate you. And, and, and I hope this is a little glimpse of queer bonding for anyone who wants to know which queer and trans and everything bonding can be like Leo. Yes, Leo, Leo to Leo. This is one and for give the my archive. Love to Zachary. I will. Oh, she's going to send it right yeah. back. Absolutely. Yes, she'll send the love right There's back. There's definitely one for the for the archive. <laughs> yes. Well, Daniel, yeah. thank you for beaming your love. Like I feel your heart. I do. We're you know continents away, nine hours apart, and yet we're here connected. Mm -hmm. I feel it. And thank you for listening to the World of Rex. Ooh, 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 ooh.